Hello and welcome back to the What The Fork Sunderland preview show. The lads have gone two weekends unbeaten as we added a well-deserved draw against our North Yorkshire rivals Middlesbrough to the three points we picked up against Stoke a week beforehand. And Michael Beale and Sunderland could make it seven from nine this weekend as we welcome Plymouth Argyle who make the long journey from the South Coast. Things have changed a lot for both of us, not least There'll be new men in the dugout for both teams. So to update us all on the world of Plymouth Argyle is Ben from the Green and White podcast. Returning guest Ben now, actually, not debutant. How are you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, good. Thank you. Good. Yourself? I'm all right. The funny thing is, this is going to be lost on a lot of people. But last time you were on, there was a filter on your lips that were bright purple and we couldn't get rid of it. So we just did the whole thing. But we don't do this as a video podcast. So no one knew it. So it feels weird to see you without bright pink sort of plastered on fake I, I can't lie i did wonder if it would be a bit of a funny in joke if i'd got some bright purple lippy it just surprised you when the screen came on but i thought that's that's that would be funny for about like 30 seconds between me and you no one else would get it and i thought that was a lot a lot of effort for for that sort of a uh, cheap gag so unfortunately i didn't but i would have loved to have seen your face to sort of open up with uh with that on it might be in the first and only video podcast we did, but alas, these things have not happened. But um, at the time of speaking, you're going to be in FA Cup action tonight against Leeds. We play, obviously, we're speaking before that, so we can't discuss it. It's also not a great deal you can always take from Cup games. So we'll look at your most recent game, um, a 1-0 win at Swansea, your first away win of the season. Um, how was the performance? How are you feeling about the result a few days afterwards? Obviously, we did, having not won away all season, we would have taken it any way it came at all. You know, we're, we're cheating and, you know, red, avoiding red cards, blatant handballs, we'd have, we'd have taken the away win. No, in all seriousness, um, Ian Foster, since he's come in, has, has tried to organise us much better off the ball. And I think that showed against Swansea. There, that was a game that you sort of feel under... Um, well, when you came down to Home Park... If you'd have been able to hit the proverbial barn door, you'd have come away with a draw. And if you'd have been able to finish at the level we were finishing at that game, you'd have taken all three points. So we've been winning games under Schumacher where we've just been relying on our ability to to finish clinically. And if you look at the stats, we we hit the target at a very high proportion of our shots and uh, we convert a very high proportion of our shots. And, you know, the front three, well, Azaz isn't there anymore, but as as Whitaker and Hardy were sort of finishing way above their expected goals. So that's kind of where we were winning games. We were outscoring people rather than than doing well defensively. Whereas against Swansea, even though you know they did have chances at times, and although they aren't the most fluid attacking team in the in the league, um, we were much better organized and we have been ever since Foster's come in. I mean it, it technically his first game was Sutton in the cup, um, but he was literally just you know, the, the, the team had already been picked by the director of football and the coaches who were left that hadn't gone with Schumacher to Stoke. Um, so it wasn't really his first game in charge. But sort of since Huddersfield, when, um, you know, he, he properly was able to take take charge, we haven't really let in too many stupid goals. We've looked pretty organised. The chances that we have coughed up, teams have had to work for. You know, teams will always create chances against a team like Argyle, sort of settling into the league with still at least half a League One squad. But we were just given them up previously allowing passes into the box drives into the box like the the worst if not the or, or the second worst in both of those categories up until Foster came in so the fact that we were able to you know, if you look at the stats they won't include some shots for Argyle for in, in the XG and and big chances because they were blocked we had two or three big chances that were were blocked so they won't count on the the stat sheet but even without that you know um 
I think the Swans will be gutted they didn't get a draw. But it it was a real nice um, turn up for for, for the, the the manager and, and the style he's trying to implement, which is you know quite a drastic change from uh, what we've been used to under Schumacher. And although it's not as free free flowing, rather, um, it definitely was reaping rewards already. You know um, that, that I don't think we'd have won that game one nil if we were playing Schumacher ball. Um, so. So yeah, it's a really positive result. It gets that monkey off the back, even though you know it's not the manager's problem per se for the club and the players, the squad that's still here, getting that um, away win off the back. Um, and we can build on that. Obviously, I think we'll probably need a better performance against your mob this weekend. But you know, getting that first win makes it, makes it so much easier to go and play with that bit more freedom. I was looking at the stats, and I haven't gone back to all the stats since he took over. Um, but I remember last time we chatted, it was a case of like, it felt like we were discussing each other's teams. Um, oh, yeah, we have loads of the ball, loads of shots, but if we don't score, then we don't win. Um, looking at the stats, you know, you, you like to attack, you like to dominate the ball previously. That really wasn't the case against Swansea. Um, even if you look at the most basic things, I think that the passing was much less, the pass completion was much less, the shots were much less, but... You come out with a, a clean sheet and you come out with a 1-0 win, as you said before, which is, is massive for the context of your season. Um, you're obviously under that new management of Ian Foster. How much of that performance and result is down to sort of him implementing that style over the, the past few weeks? And how different is the side going to be this Saturday to maybe what we might have expected in November? Yeah, I think it will be much different. For a start, he's obviously brought in players that he can... A lot of them come. Through, he's worked with through the England youth systems, where he spent the m- most part of his his coaching career. Although at the very very start of his career, he did some head coaching work in Ireland. That was basic. You know, he then went to become a teacher after that. Before he then got back into coaching full time. So that's not really something you can like hang your hat on. It's not the same sort of level. So he's worked his way up through the England um, system. Firstly, as an off the ball coach, and then you know, eventually he, he led the England under nineteens to the Euro to win the Euros. Um, a couple of years back, um, most recently been out working as Stephen Gerrard's second in Saudi Arabia, which hasn't necessarily gone well. But he's he's got that kind of um, England organisational um, nous about him. Now, whether that translates as a as a head coach um, is yet to be seen. But although the early signs are really promising, um, you know anybody can look good after a month. But the the fact is, he's brought in a whole bunch of players who he's played with, or he's he's at least worked with in some capacity. As they played with, I mean, they've played for him, or at least he's worked with them as an assistant coach. Um, and I think the reason for that is not just because he's going to because because the, the club will have identified, for example, um, Phillips from from Spurs, who's come in at, at the right side as centre back. The club had already identified him. Um, before Foster had come in as someone they were going to try and bring in on loan, but I think he knows he's got players there who can play the system he needs to. He wants to play the style he wants to implement, which doesn't mean that the players that are currently in the squad can't learn it and adapt to it. But he knows they've already got the lingo, they've already got the um, the, the training in place, so that he that he knows that he can rely on them to do the things he wants to achieve. Um, and he kind of, I think, he's brought those in um, with the club's blessing as a sort of a firefighting measure. It's like, look, this is, they've got the January window now. A bunch of players have left, been recalled on loan. We've got massive holes. Let me bring in some guys I know can play this style, um, you know, on the front foot in terms of pressing, patient build-up. Um, let me bring in some guys who can do that. And then the rest of the squad, I've got chance to see them in training and whether they can also, you know, play that style. So hopefully 
the the players that we've got in the squad um, already can adapt to the change in style. But it is very much with Schumacher. Um, we try to play between the lines uh, with ping a ball around the corner from Houghton or um, someone else, and, and and send people away up the wings. And uh, and and it was very much relying on the tens being creative and and sort of um, the two wide players in Ibumba and Whitaker and even Hardy to an extent, sort of trying to create spaces, make runs to, to open up space for the 10s. And then if they weren't picked up on their runs, then they were in sort of thing. That and relying on Morgan Whitaker's fantastic shooting from range, which is, you know, just long may that continue. You can, there's nothing you can really do about that. Um, so that was sort of the play, the way we played before, very high high speed. But it committed many men forward um, under... We've completely changed shape. I say completely. We've gone to a back three. Um, it's sort of been set up as a almost two curves um, in the first couple of games, but against Swansea, it very much was a bank of five uh, at the back with then either JB or Forshaw rotating in front. So it was like a 5-1-3-1 almost. And even when we dropped deep, a 5-4-1. Um, a very different sort of setup. But essentially, you've got the... You've got the the, the three centre backs and then the the wing backs going up and down the pitch with two deeper line midfielders. One is Adam Forshaw, um, who's come in. He's thirty two. Um, he was at Norwich previously. Was released by Norwich, so we could sign him on a free. And he's got excellent ability on the ball. Very composed, um, almost like a. I'm trying to think of like a a famous example. It's like a Busquets almost. Um, not necessarily someone who's gonna you know, have a highlights reel, except the highlights reel is taking the ball under pressure, turning his man and releasing someone. But he, that is something like 90% pass completion constantly, even in that game against Swansea where everyone else was sort of around 50 or 60, his pass completion was exceptional. And he's in there sort of picking up the ball, covering, smothering. And Darko JB on loan from Leeds, who's very athletic, very dynamic. So we've got this, um, that's the two he's preferred so far, this very sort of dynamic and able um, both got brilliant passing ability in the in the middle of midfield, and then two in front. Divines come in from Spurs on the left, and Whitaker on the right, and then you have got the full backs going up and down. So they'll either drop into the the back five, fill in in the midfield to support the the two defensive midfielders, or go up and overlap with Divine and Whitaker on the wings with Hardy up front being an outlet. Um, if Hardy's gone from being um, a, a, a a some someone to support to facilitate the tens and Mumba and Whitaker on the wings to being quite integral to the team. The manager said that he's integral to the press. He's the and very often the trigger for the press, either him or the the central midfielder that's pressed forward out of the two. Um and he also works, I've seen, as an outlet. So rather than, for example, the goal we conceded against Huddersfield in his first game was us overplaying at the back. Barley Mumba was fouled, but he was trying to pass which he shouldn't have been trying. They picked up the ball in the final third. They scored. And like after that, it was very much, no, if we're in that position, get rid and reset. Push another 10 yards up the pitch, 15 yards up the pitch, regain your shape, and then we'll start again. So Hardy's being asked to do a lot more aerially, um, not necessarily even to hold up the ball and bring people in, but to be an outlet for the team. Like when we're under pressure, the, he's trying to foster very much, as opposed to Schumacher, trying to be patient in build-up, draw people in and create overloads. Now, sometimes when you're you're Argyle playing against teams who are better than you, that's not going to work and you have to get rid of the ball um, rather than get caught. So Hardy's being asked to do a bit more of that work too. So we're going to be a much more disciplined side in build-up and in defence than you were used to. We're not going to be as attacking and free-flowing. 
Um, at least that's you know not what we've seen so far. While while Foster's been trying to implement this defensive shape and off the ball pattern of pressing, um, but at the same time we'll probably be a lot more defensively resolute. Which, given what I've seen of Rusin, if he's still playing uh, this this season, what I've seen of him, that's probably going to be to our benefit because he seems to work best when he's either got space in behind or men pressing over over past him um, that he can rather than sort of have his back to goals, collect and turn. Um, he's better sort of with the ball at his feet facing men up. So the, the deeper we go, I think the more that will stymie that. I mean, but you've always got the... It's funny, I, I saw the Middlesbrough game, your last game, and what looked to be working seemed to be a lot of what was working under the previous manager, letting the the wide men cook and uh, sort of try and counter when when Middlesbrough were, were pushing. But Do, do you mean pass it to Jack Clark? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it was, I, was, I, I, mean I, I, I said to you a little while ago, you know, it might have been very basic, but it was working for for Tony Mowbray. So, uh, the, I'm not quite sure what Beal was trying to do when he came in, but I think he seems to have uh, tightened the tightened the strings a little bit and reverted to to, to the, what's working. Um, and so, obviously, w- us playing the back five might be to our advantage um, in that situation as well. But it also invites space into the middle where you've got very good players. I know Job's been out of form, but. You know, sort of, he could if he can have a if he can have a day. You know, he could he could wreak havoc in the middle. So it, it 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 we won't be the same team that you saw down it. I think it was a really entertaining game when you came down to home park. Both teams played some really fluid football. It was for you think, in the end. Well, okay, <laughs> uh, well, you guys played some brilliant football too. Um, and it's easy to say that it's easy to admire when you're on the winning side, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, not the other way around. But um, I think we'll definitely see. Uh, you will look like very much like the home team and we will look very much like the visiting team in the traditional sense of how you expect a game to go. But like I said, we, as the manager says, you only if you keep a clean sheet, you can't lose and you only need one or two to win as opposed to having to go out and score at least three because the opposition is going to probably nick a couple. So um, it will be an interesting game for sure. I think both of our, you know, we can't tell much from our form and your form is strange, not very necessarily indicative of 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 what you're playing or, or uh, and how you're going to play even is um is is a bit baffling at the minute despite how much time Beal's had he seems to not really be implementing something stylistically that you can recognize so um like i say you played you played Borough and it was when you went back to your old strengths whether that was through the manager's direction or just the player saying look we're going to you know we're going to play this way i don't know you can give give me more insight on that so yeah, you'll definitely see a more defensively organised side, uh, a different formation, the three-four-three. So I suppose you'd call it on paper, but it's it is quite fluid in the way it um, drops back to sort of like a five-four-one, and then in transition, it can even you end up with four men up top, where someone steps out from the the front two uh, midfielders, and then the wing backs support as well. Um, very much sort of in the the England youth system style. Um, yeah, it should be interesting the contrast of. Given you know who your star men are, it should be an interesting contrast with like players like Clark and Hume, and you know where your star men are. Kind of the the crucial points of our weaknesses, I suppose. I find it. I actually didn't even know that it, this was the Stephen Gerrard's assistant derby. I had no idea about mm-hmm. that. Um, <laughs> I mean, the brains behind the outfit. Yeah, <laughs> so they say. Um, <laughs> I kind of feel like I feel like I've done this a lot, and this tends to happen when you come into like the second part of the season because managers change, be it they've left or they've been sacked. And essentially, 
there's no real point in speaking about previous managers because they're not going to be involved in it. It means nothing towards the season. But I find it interesting to ask it anyway. So the point I'm trying to make is I'm going to ask you a question about Stephen Schumacher here. Um, I think him going to Stoke wasn't wholly surprising in some senses because managers seem to view Stoke as kind of a sleeping giant, a comatose one, as it is at the moment, if we're completely honest. But I rate Schumacher. I think he's a good manager. And I thought it was a good appointment. I thought it was a clever appointment. And then I seen his Stoke team two weeks ago. Wow. Not the best. And then, okay, everyone's getting hammered off Leicester, but they got truly hammered off Leicester 5-0. So his opening few weeks have not been amazing. As a fan base, because he's basically done an Alex Neal. And I felt like after a while, I was like, you know what? Alex Neal's going to regret that. And I think... He might be on a beach and having a margarita somewhere in Spain, but I do think he'll be regretting it a little bit. Um, is there a feeling in the fan base with Plymouth that he'll come to regret leaving and going to Stoke in the coming months? Or are you kind of the club that just goes, OK, fair enough, whatever, you do you, and now we've got a different manager in charge? No, I think there was a lot of sore feeling given the sort of sentiment he put out about how much he loved the club and thumping the chest and how much he loved it down here. And um, you know, we love that. I think all fan bases do, but being the sort of the, the sort of small, you know, we, we're the biggest club in Western, biggest city rather in Western Europe to not have the top flight flight football and all of that stuff. We we do sort of have that chip on our shoulder of being looked down on. So having someone come in and takes the championship and we want to stay here and we love it to then not just leave, but to, to manoeuvre that fait accompli behind the club's back and take all his staff with him, et cetera, in secret, really did sort of, you know, some people were, were quite let down by that. I certainly have no affection left. I'm obviously grateful for the achievements that he, he made here, but you can't blame a man for backing himself and saying, I'm the one who can turn this ship around where no one else has been able to do it. It's a payday, like you say, and go and you know count his millions in on the Spanish beach and say how dreadful that was when he gets his payoff. But it was like Alex Neil, for example, had done so much more in management before he took that challenge on than Stephen Schumacher has. Um, he's only been a head coach for for you know let, let's call it two years, but like you know for for eighteen months or whatever. Um, he a lot of, a lot of what he did was in tandem with the support of the director of football, Neil Jusnip. Um, and there was a little barbed comment from Jusnip when he was taking charge of the of the team and the selection and the management after um, Stoke had drawn nil-nil with Ipswich, say, and they sort of said, oh, it's exciting football you're playing in, Neil, after we'd drawn three all against Cardiff. And he said, yeah, if you listen to an ex-manager of me, apparently my, my tactics are quite boring, which is ironic given his team's just drawn nil-nil. And it's just that sort of like dry sense of humour. I don't think he was having a dig at Stoke for sure, because nil-nil against Ipswich is a is a decent result. Um, but just more that I think Schumacher had got a bit, I don't want to say big for his boots because people grow and, you know, he wanted to step out from under that kind of, he wanted to go and try it for himself, sort of believed he could go and do it. Um, and maybe was resenting Snip's involvement in in certain matters. But he's been a head coach for like a year. He's not the sort, you know, to go into Stoke that's killed much better careers, much bigger careers, much more successful men than than him. Just seemed like a real shock. I said on one of our, um, you know, on the Green and White podcast, I just don't see him being that stupid because if, if he ruins his reputation here, he's got to really go back to basics and start again. You know, it's not like he's got a body of work he can lean on, like someone like Beale, you know, elsewhere, where if you if you mess it up, you could, you know, go and get you know a, a job elsewhere. Like, 
I'm trying to think like Mowbray's been able to, I don't think he did bad at Sunderland, but someone like Mowbray, if he was to fail at Stoke, he's never going to be but lack for suitors because of his track record. Schumacher has no track record, you know? And so I just, I feel like he's going to have ruined the trajectory of his career. He may well be able to start over again and build up, but he's basically taken a five-year chunk out of his career if he goes there and fails. Um, but he's going to have to start again and rebuild. And the other thing at Plymouth is even if we'd gone down, if it stayed at Argyle, he would have kept the job because we'd have allowed him the time to grow and learn as a club. Um, whereas Stoke, he's not going to get anyway. Already fans are calling for his head and saying he looks clueless. Um, and if if they don't finish any higher than sort of say 18th, then I think he might, you know, face the chop regardless of if he keeps them up and gets them looking looking a bit more attractive. So yeah, I do feel like it's a massive risk he's taken of, of all jobs, especially that one. It's, it really is the poison chalice of chalice of the league, I think. And um, you know, he's not gonna have any time from the fan base and very little time from the ownership to whereas which is the complete opposite of what he had at Argyle, where he would have been given as much time and as much trust and the room to fail as he wanted. So yeah, uh, I don't think I mean some people will love to see him fail. It doesn't really bother me, but I must admit when the results come in, it's you know the grass isn't always greener is it on the other the other side no absolutely um and it is i wondered how similar it was to alex neil i think obviously alex neil going to watch stoke whilst we were playing the game and neglecting the manager just as slightly worse than what he did i i'd be much much worse in fact um but it's the similar sort of feeling around it but then i remember at the time when alex neil went for us um look it worked out mowbray came in and it was fine i remember at the time been quite worried that regardless of how Alex Neil left, whether I thought he was the biggest dickhead on the planet or, you know, he deserved to be heralded and, and hung on to, he essentially was a big person that we needed to replace. And I was a bit concerned at the time whether Mowbray was the boring choice or the right choice or the wrong choice. In the end, it was perfect. But we all have those sort of opinions and worries about who's coming in next. So he started off well. He's unbeaten, as far as I'm aware, not taking into account the, the game against Leeds tonight, which I think if he did lose, it's, it's not the biggest shock on the planet. Leeds are a decent side and will probably get promoted um, or at least make the playoffs comfortably. But you brought in this new man who doesn't really have a great deal of like head coach experience in terms of being the man at the top. I don't think he's managed since Dundalk in 2011. Um so it's a risk, but what was the Plymouth fan base like when it appeared that he was going to be the man that was moving things forward? Was it a one that was backed or a one that had some concerns in? We are a very reactionary fan base. We've got a bunch of nutters. You know, I think a lot of fan bases <laughs> do, but we've sort of got a sort of vocal, you know, we, we we like to live up to that sort of parochial stereotype that we 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 get sometimes. Um yeah, we had people calling for like Graham Potter. You know, why have we got this guy? We, you know, and Graham Potter was last on about two hundred grand a week or something at Chelsea. So you know, you you do have people who are never going to be satisfied. But I think it's the perfect appointment. He's got a history of developing young players. He's got a real passion for it. Not, I don't think in a in an altruistic way. I just think he loves to see that development in a player. I think he's a player who, as a man, he seems very driven. He's got that kind of obsessive quality to him. Um, a real workaholic and his playing career never took off. And I do sort of wonder if he sort of looks back and thinks if I'd had the right guidance here, or if someone had helped me with this, then I could have gone further and done better. That's just, you know, as a supposition, but he seems to have a real passion for 
developing players and that's really what the club is aiming to do to be a big player you know we've got a, our stadium's got an 18,000 capacity though it's capped at around 16 and a half because of health and safety concerns so we're not bringing in tons of money through attendance we're not got an owner who's pouring money in because he can't the way Argyle are going to establish and sustain themselves in the championship and then push on is to develop players whether that's our own academy players where the club has just sort of invested 20 odd million over the next few years into academy base in Plymouth at a separate site um, at the Brickfields in, in Plymouth to try and provide a, a class for a, a class uh, to provide a base rather for a top class um, academy or it's through developing loan players you know and, and doing what we've done so well over the last few seasons which is bringing players we can't afford the wages of can't afford the 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 purchase fee of, but we will borrow them and improve them and send them back. Um, so, yeah, it's that's Ian Foster fits that bill perfectly. He's noted internationally for his ability to develop young talent, and and that's what he's been brought in to do. Um, and so he'll get guidance in terms of maybe some of the head coaching aspects that you might not be overly familiar with from the director of football, Neil Dusnip. That's part of the setup. He is coming as a head coach, not a manager. So, you know, the recruitment team will continue to do their thing in the background and the director of football will maybe help him in certain ways. He's actually been on the the bench until recently, the director of football, not just the first game that the manager, that the head coach came in, but he was actually been on the bench for a, a good number of games, including um, um, up to, and uh, maybe including Leeds. I couldn't see the bench in the stand at Leeds because it's underneath you in the, in the away the away section. But um, I know the previous game, uh, the director of football was still on the bench. So, um, you know, he's leaning on that. He's not being arrogant. He's he's being willing to to learn and take that direction. But I think it's the off the field stuff, the coaching that's really going to be where um where we see the benefit in, in bringing on and developing players. And I think his already we're seeing his his methodology and his scheming is much, you know, it's the next level up from Schumacher. He's sort of playing chess where Schumacher was playing checkers as the expression goes there's a lot more you can see a lot more intelligence in some of the you know the fact that they score from a set play for example you know the fact that they scored from a corner for the first time all season as well as getting that away win for the first time and all, all season just shows that bit of nous that you need at this sort of level the sort of just small tweaks maybe but marginal gains and I think that that football and intelligence is going to be a real asset you touched on the fact that you got your first win at the weekend and this is going to sound maybe a bit odd asking this question, but I remember when we played at Home Park, it was just a feeling, especially around that time and the home form that you had, that we were going to duff that up, but probably play quite well. And I think we probably did. We just didn't put the ball in about the net. And Azaz, um, although he missed an open goal against us for Middlesbrough on Sunday, appears to not do that when he was wearing a green shirt and scored a beat against us and Whitaker's was even better but I felt like the game we probably dominated slightly possession wise had more of the chances couldn't put it in the back of the net and it just felt like you at home that was where you know your season was going to be won or lost now at the time of speaking there was a worry over relegation that wouldn't have gone completely of course it's your first season back in in uh, the championship from league one but you are eight points clear and I don't think, you know, the bottom three are necessarily firing all cylinders after a brief flirt with potential form like QPR and Chef Wed. Um, so you're far ahead at last time where we spoke. However, obviously that win against Swansea was your, your first away win of the season. Where would you be if it wasn't for the, the home form that you had this season? How much do you have to rely on that, you think, moving forward in the second half of the season? Or does Saturday change it? 
Yes and no. I mean, if you look at the fixtures, we've played a lot of the weaker teams at home and a lot of the better teams away. So it's naturally going to skew those results towards, a you know, that that distortion of, of how good our home form is and the away form being, um, you know, we've got to play you, then we're playing Borough. Um, you know, we have played Ipswich, we have played um, uh, Leeds, um, we have played Saints, but, you know, even up we the Saints game, we should have been 1-0 up in that um, with, you know, in, in the second half where it was, you know, a perfectly good goal chalked off for offside, which wasn't, etc. And there's a, we've had loads of away games where we've either had a good 45 minutes and not been able to put 90 minutes together or we've just had rotten luck. The Ipswich game is a prime example. We're 1-0 up, should have got a clear red card. Uh, Ipswich should have got a clear red card and we'd have been one nil up against 10 men for sort of like 70, 60, 70 minutes and it wasn't given, nothing was given and then we've had injuries in that game and we've come away, lost 3-2. There's been lots of games like that where actually with a bit of discipline, we would have come away with results and now we've got a manager who's instilling discipline as like his core philosophy is like, these are the non-negotiables. So I think there's a good chance we do pick up some more. You know, we've got to go to Rotherham, we've got to go to Wednesday there's a good chance of us picking up more wins or at least points, you know, away from home. Um, the home form, you know, yes, it, we, you know, it, we talk about Fortress home park and people don't like coming down here. They have to travel. Even if they fly down, they have to sort of still get the coach down and it's still a bit of a trek. So um, that does have an impact. And, you know, but I, I think, I think really we'll, we'll see a bit more of a balance just purely on the basis of the manager uh, and his style. And also the, the, the the balance of fixtures we've got left left I think that we've got some much easier away games than we've had up until this point we've got you know we're playing the bomb load and um, you know I think we might drop a few more points at home our next three home games are like Coventry Leeds West Brom so you know that that you're gonna those sort of runs are predicated on who you're playing as much as how you play so um, yeah it's been good to have the home form we have um, but I think if you if the, if the fixtures have been thrown in the mixer a different way and come out differently, we wouldn't necessarily be talking about it in the same way. Um, but yeah, you you want to keep winning at home and sort of build up that, even if it's a, a lie, you sort of want to build up that myth of, of home park being a hard place to come play. I mean, it was for us, typically. Um, I did want to ask about Sunderland, because obviously we, unbeknownst to the listeners, we've chatted obviously between the last time we spoke and, and so much has changed between both of us which we've sort of touched on mainly from your side, but things have changed with Sunderland. And I remember you spoke to me after the game and, you know, you were complimentary of the way we played. And I remember I retweeted it and a lot of fans said, we're sick of hearing it. Like, we play well and we don't win. And it was getting quite frustrating under Mowbray. And sort of two or three games later, he was dismissed and he was replaced with a manager or head coach. A lot of people felt were inferior. Now, obviously you're seeing this all from the outside looking in. Um, I felt like I've asked a lot of fans this question recently, but I think it is an interesting thing to ask. What did you make of the whole fallout of Mowbray going, um, Bill coming in, and then the reaction of all of it, and where Sunderland probably sit now? I am much less confident of you guys get, making the playoffs with with the manager you have now, and I think that you know, it's, if you, I can go on, but you know, we haven't got a load of time, and I've gone on a lot so far, but that that's I think the the best summation of it. You know, I don't think he's a great manager. I think Mowbray went for non-footballing reasons. I think that's probably, you know, I, I can't imagine they looked at the position you were in and the underlying data and said, no, he's not doing enough because you should have been further up the table than you were. Your finishing has been appalling. You know, your passing percentages were good. Your possession stats were good. 
Um, I, I don't understand if if it was a footballing reason. I, I don't understand it. Whereas if it's a like he's not gelling with the board, he's not got the same philosophy. That's much more sensible. I don't understand Beal's appointment. There must have been you're a massive club. Like that you must have been more attractive to to better people. You know, even if you'd come and stole Schumacher, if you'd come and stole Schumacher, I wouldn't have been bothered at all. I've got a soft spot for Sunderland, but beyond that, you are a massive club. You know, in, in terms of not just um, history, but you know, even in, in recent years, you know, it's sort of my earliest memories of Sunderland are sort of you know Big Noel Quinn and stuff and a match of the day, and and that to me that's a much more romantic appointment than Stoke. In terms, of, if you're talking about sleeping giants, then you know you guys really are one. Um, so I don't understand how you've arrived at the manager you have. I don't see the style of football he's trying to implement. Um, I, I've watched a few games and I say, you you actually look reasonably okay against Borough second half. Um, but again, the stuff that looked okay was not the stuff he seemed to be. I, 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 I've looked at it and been like, how can you be here for sort of a month? This, this is going back. Like I sort of messaged you or maybe I put it on Twitter and just be like, how can you be there a month and have no... There's nothing you can say. Oh, I see what he's trying to do there. There's just, I just cannot see the philosophy of what he's trying to do. I cannot see any cohesion. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we're much not. Once they're much less scared about this game. That but it's a game where I'm thinking the start of the season, especially after the home game. I wouldn't have given us any hope of going away and getting a point, given our away form and given the way you played that game. If you're going to play that way at home, and probably a bit better, obviously with the with the fans and all of that. There's nowhere to see us get coming away with a chance of a point. Now, with the manager we've got and the manager you've got and the way he's got you playing, which just seems a bit like cold porridge. Um, it's I can see us I can see us nicking a point. I can see us sitting in and maybe even getting something on the counter. That's that's the style we're playing. Um so yeah, I, I think that it was a bit of a bad mistake. There's all the the FA Cup stuff in the middle, which I just could not understand. Uh could not understand from you know, one of the biggest rivalries in sport, let alone in English football. Uh, just seemed the madness, and yeah, I, I, if I was a Sunderland fan, I would not be in a in a good place. I would not be confident the club is knows where it's going uh, long term. You know that there's a succession plan in place. If Beal doesn't make, you know, if, if this goes wrong, what's the next step? Whereas our our club, as soon as you know, we had a list of potential candidates for a manager for whenever Shuey went. You know, all that stuff was in place, um, and then obviously other people sort of applied for the job. We had like over a hundred candidates or something. So some of those names wouldn't have been on the, the 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 short list that they had in place. But I just don't see any kind of planning of that sense, that sort of long term strategy from 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 Sunderland. It seems weird. You know, it took you a while to get Beal in. Um, which sort of speaks to no real plan when the decision was made, no sort of coherence of strategy. So, yeah, Sunderland look a bit of a mess at the minute. Whereas at the start of the season, I had you predicted for the playoffs. I thought you'd ride that that you know the the the, the end of season you had last year and the the ability to bring in young talent on loan, perhaps and nurture it under Mowbray. Um, and the, obviously the the good young players you've got in your squad. You know, be able to to bring them on further under Mowbray's. That's one of his major skills, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, just it all seems to have gone backwards. So from 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 my from where I stand, I don't see the logic behind the appointment. Some of the decisions at the club in terms of the way the appointment was made and the the, the sacking leading up to the appointment, it doesn't speak to good governance. Um, and you just got to hope from your point of view that it's a learning curve that sort of that will be you know the same mistakes won't be made again that they'll learn from this experience and know next time that it needs to work differently but yeah I mean I don't see what McBeal's done to 
to, to to merit the job to be honest but that's just you know that's for another i'm sure you guys have had that conversation for many hours amongst <laughs> yourselves yeah like just want just one or two not too, not too many just one or two <laughs> um but it is and there'll be fans listening to it and thinking you know maybe i've been on the bail up train from the start and like i kind of have in many ways i'm not going to deny that and be revisionist but that's the second guest in two weeks that have discussed Michael Beale in non-positive terms and that's on the upside looking in so in some way it's validating that to know it's not just us noticing these these issues that are popping up but well like I say if it's football if, 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 yeah. if it come in I think Michael Beale is a nobody but it's all of a sudden oh look you're, like like with Argyle have under Foster oh you're much more defensively organised these sort of cheap goals we've been giving away we're not giving them away anymore we're being really sort of clinical we were wasting chances under Mowbray whereas now we're putting them away then you'd say well, fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I was right. I was wrong. But what what you see on the pitch is what you judge the manager on, and it's been tribe. Yeah, in many ways, with sporadic decent parts, I guess. Um, got about two minutes left, so I'll bundle two questions into one. But how are Plymouth fans viewing the game on Saturday, and what is your prediction? It's a weird one. I think folks have kind of it's kind of gone by the wayside with the the FA Cup replay and the thought of being able to go to. I think most fans want Villa, but even Chelsea would be. Even though we went to Chelsea a few years ago, you know that's a good away day. And then we've got this horrible run of home games, three home games, sort of against the against playoff clubs. Um, after it, I think that there's a, a thought that we could get we can nick a point. I think coming away with a point, everyone would be happy with that. There's definitely more confidence that we could do that. Um, again, Sunderland are such a sort of you know up and down performances um, recently that it's kind of hard to know what to expect. So you know, you guys could thrash us three nil and and be worth it, and we could go and nick it one nil, two nil, and you could have looked well like you have so often um, of late. And yes, it's not it's it's very difficult to predict. I'd like if I'm going to make a prediction, I'll say one all. Um, I feel like that's probably the likeliest of um, like if you were to play this game five times ten times I think sort of a one always probably come up more than once but it, you know it could be anything I think fans are optimistic now that we've got a win away that we can you know start pulling results out where we wouldn't have expected to before and this is probably one that we wouldn't have but yeah one all I reckon I'll go with one all as well not much thought behind it I just thought that was a good suggestion so I'll agree and I got last week's right I think um, but Ben good catching up as always um, thanks mate Thanks for uh, having me and I'll thank myself for having you. But uh, where can we find your stuff before I let you go? If this allows me to do so. Yeah, you haven't got a lot of time. So we'll just, just forget that. Green and White podcast. That's where that's where you'll, you'll hear me most often. On the internet. On the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Spot on. Ben, thanks very much. Cheers, mate. Take it easy.